welcome this morning. Uh, I, uh, I brought something special this morning. <laughs> In the true spirit of, uh, where is he at? There he is. Um, Kevin, I brought this in honor of you. This is chocolate cake. Uh, and, uh, anybody have a birthday this morning? Nobody's, nobody's birthday's today. It is? Oh, dude, you're, you're on the spot now. Sorry, you're a target now. We got two birthdays? I've got two candles and two birthdays. Um, so, man, I hate to call out, call you out, but uh, I'm going to need you to come up here, and uh, we're going to have to sing happy birthday to you. And uh, we don't, I promise you we don't really do this normally, so don't feel like you're going to get embarrassed. But I knew he could handle it. He's, he stood in front of kids at VBS before and, and acted, the, uh, acted the part. So who else, who's, who's other, who else has a birthday? Where? Alex? Awesome. Okay, so um, oh, excellent. Uh, so we're going to sing happy birthday, and then these guys are going to come on either side of me and blow out these candles. So here we go. You guys ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. All right, guys, blow these out, please. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, no. uh, oh okay. Oh. Oh, okay, you guys can go have a seat. I don't, I don't expect you to try to get these blown out. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, Kevin, the chocolate cake's for you later, even though it's not your birthday, because I know that uh, you love chocolate cake. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, this is kind of uh, how, uh, how it is in the Christian life, isn't it? Um, you, you think that somehow that when you give your life to Christ, that uh, things are going to get easier, Right? And actually, the sin that you've been struggling with before, um, it's going to go away. That's, that's what we think. We think, oh, I'm going to pray to receive Christ. I'm going to take on his grace. And then, man, it, life's going to get a lot easier. And, um, and I'm going to be able to snuff out sin in my life. And what we find is that <laughs> it may actually get a bit harder. It may actually get a bit harder right? Why? <laughs> Why would it get harder when God says, man, I'm going to bring you peace? Thank you. It's because, of the, it's because of the sin nature. You know, before, we're plodding along in life, and, and um, we're, all we have is the flesh. All we have is the, the sin nature, and we get to just follow the desires of the flesh and kind of do the things that we want to do. Yeah, that's how it was before Christ. And, and at some point, we realized that some of the things that we're doing, they're actually pretty destructive, right? And pretty soon, life gets, a bit, life gets a bit messy, and we find out that this whole flesh gig, this whole sin gig, it actually is pretty destructive. And this isn't working out. And so we come to Christ, and we think, well, well Jesus Christ is the answer. And let me say this very clear this morning. Jesus Christ is the answer. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer. However, the flesh, it doesn't just go away. 
You, you think you get those candles blown out. You think you take an area of your life, and man, I've got this under control now. And all of a sudden, whoop, candles turn back on, don't they? I do too. Um, and you're thinking, man, I thought I could, I thought I could do this. And you, and you struggle and you struggle and you find, you know what? I can't. The things that I want to do, I keep, the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. And now all of a sudden, what really has happened is that the truth of God, the law of God has actually, it's awakened the spirit of God inside of us to where we've got conflict now. The flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. The spirit wants you to do what the spirit wants to do. Anybody else struggle with that? That's what Paul is saying this morning. He is struggling with the flesh. He's saying, guys, the law does not have the ability to save me. I thought maybe if I followed the law now that, that things would get better. But the truth of the matter is that it doesn't. Um, but I think we can get into that mindset. We're going to talk about these doors later. So they're, they're up there. They're at the end of the message. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. But I get up on Friday morning, and I'm thinking, yeah, I've been a believer in Jesus Christ for a long time, about 35 years of my life. And uh, I get up Friday morning, and uh, the windows are frosted, you know, and I'm running behind. And the washer fluid, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't have time to scrape these windows. i got to get to the bus barn. These kids got to get to school. And, uh, and so I'm just doing minimal. I'm thinking, oh, the washer fluid will take care of it. Uh, no. The washer fluid only made it worse, and so now I'm driving down James Street, and I can't see where I'm going, and, and by now, I mean, I'm full-on anger, rage, it's all there, full-on. I get to the bus barn, and, and I'm already behind, and I find out, you know, my bus has frost on, on its windows as well. I get the scraper out, I'm like, oh, i got to scrape this real quick. You know what happens to the scraper? It's exactly right. The, sca the scraper breaks off, and so now I'm like going, well, I got to see when the kids get to school. Fortunately, God brought the sun out, and eventually it melted off before I had to leave. But right there, you know, you'd think that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, and uh, that everything is just going to kind of go smooth, right? Dude, full-on rage. And I'm like, God, where in the world did that from why did that happen that happens to us doesn't it think about a marriage relationship right two people fall in love they love each other with all their hearts and yet it can go from zero to 60 in just a few seconds all of a sudden you have a disagreement and you're just full out you know it's war happens um, guys pornography um, you know it's a, it's a reality in the room here and we think that you know man all you know pornography it's, it's fine it, when you're when you're not following the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not a believer and all of a sudden the law awakens you and you go man I shouldn't be doing this this is not what I should be doing. Guilt, shame, all those things get piled on us. And we start to, to beat ourselves and go, I'm not doing what I want to do. I know this is not what I want to do, but I really want to do that. 
That's the struggle with the flesh. And the flesh, it doesn't go away without, without a fight. Ladies and men, think about jealousy. We start to envy. Paul uses the example here in this text of coveting. You know, I wish I really, man, why can't I have that marriage? These people look like they have it all together over here. Why can't I have that? And pretty soon, that, that jealousy, that desire, it begins to eat away at us. And, and pretty soon, we're just not content in our marriage, guys and girls. This happens to us. And we, and we go, God, I don't, what, am I, what am I doing here? Why am I having this conversation with myself? And Paul's going to address that this morning, and, and I'm praying that at the end of this that we'll, we'll get some clarity on um, how, to, how to deal with the flesh. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to, to Romans chapter 7, um, because when the Spirit of God, we've been talking about the law a lot for the last several weeks, when the Spirit of God writes the law of God on our hearts, the now you've got a, you've got conflict because you've got the flesh inside and now you have the spirit inside and those two are opposed to each other those two want the opposite outcome for your life and it's it's all out war and Paul Paul describes this and he describes his own struggle with it um, in in Romans chapter seven and this hopefully this passage will give you hope and not lead you to despair I've been praying that God would say this in such a way that it actually brings you hope at the end of this thing, and not despair where you just throw up your hands and go, ah, what's the use? So um, here it is, Romans chapter 7, um, beginning with verse, with verse uh, 14. Um, and you know what? I have the English Standard Version here um, beside me. I'm going to go ahead and read it out of that version this morning. This is the NIV. This is the English Standard. Um, here's what it says. For we know that the law is spiritual. Okay? Last week we discussed that the law, it's, it's a good thing. Don't think that the law is bad or negative in any sort of way. God put the law in place so that we would know his design and how he wanted us to live. So the laws of God are good. They're perfect, in fact. The scripture says that the law of the Lord is perfect. It actually refreshes the soul. Um, so he's saying the law is spiritual, but he says, I am of the flesh sold under sin. Now, now, wait a minute. I thought that last week we said we're no longer, you know, we're no longer under sin. Um, and so then he describes this flesh and the desires of the flesh. He says, for I, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want is keeping me, uh, is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And so I find this law to be a, that, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God 
in my inner being, but I see in the, my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. <laughs> and he comes to this point, and this is, this is the point where I don't want you to come to, to despair, but he says, wretched man that I am. And maybe you've said that about yourself before. I know I have. I've said, my goodness, what is wrong with me? Man, I am just a, a wretched man. Why can, why can I not lick this thing? This is Friday morning. I'm like, you'd think by now, God, I'd have this whole anger thing figured out. Why does this thing well up in me, and why do I feed it? Why do I let it go for another minute? Anybody identify with that? Man, it's okay. It's okay. Let me tell you this morning, it's okay. Okay? Because this, this relationship, it's not really about our own self-effort to defeat the flesh. He goes on and he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Self-effort? Sin management? Am I going to be able to do this? No. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And let me just give you the hope right up front, and, uh, is that if, you, if you're in this situation where you are, you are struggling with this, um, that's actually a, that's a good thing. Take comfort in the fact that something inside of you, which the Spirit of God, has awakened your spirit. He's, the Spirit of God is actually the one that's, that's causing this, that's the Spirit of God and the flesh are the ones that are causing this. No Spirit of God, flesh, you just follow the, the flesh. So take heart in the struggle. It's okay. You're not under the law anymore. You're not under the demands of the law. Jesus says that you're, you're under grace. And he says that my grace is sufficient for you. And that actually God's power is perfected in our weakness. <laughs> Amen to that. We need grace. How did you come to Christ? How did you come to him? You came to him on your knees in humility because that's the only way that you can come to him. It's the only way. If you came any other way, you, you probably didn't really come to Christ. We humble ourselves. We confess our sins before him. He's faithful and just. He forgives us our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he says to us, you're no, no longer under the law. You're under grace. We need grace. And not only do we come to him that way, but we continue to come to him that way. There's no other way. Paul knows that. Paul describes the struggle here with the flesh. And so what he asked the question in verse 13, did that which is good become death for me? How can the law be good if it's doing this to me? I wish I didn't know the law. 
was a lot easier before the law came. Paul's main point in this passage is to show us that while the law is good and holy, the law does not have the power to conquer or tame the flesh. It's powerless. And so he's going to explain that here, and the, the powerless of the, of the law against the flesh. And um, I think we need to begin to ask ourselves the question then. Um, let's look at verse 14. Okay? It says that we know that the law is spiritual, and this tripped me up this week because the NIV says, but I am unspiritual. Okay, I was, I was really struggling with that this week because I just told you several weeks ago that, that you're, you're no longer under the law, you're under grace, and you are spiritual. God has made you alive in Christ Jesus. You were crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you who live, it's Christ that lives in you. That's what I told you a couple weeks ago, and now Paul's going, well, I'm unspiritual. And, um, and so I had to... Message community, we talked a lot about the flesh, and that's why I read this from the English Standard Version this morning, the flesh. And so I want to talk about what is the flesh? What is that? What do you guys think the flesh is? Yeah. So the flesh, I mean, we would definitely refer to the flesh as right here, my earth suit, right? This is my body, my earth suit, the flesh. So I have the flesh, and the spirit lives in, in me, and, and awaken, and and, and my, my spirit makes you know my flesh move, right? This body we know is terminal, and uh, and I think that's part of what plays into here that this this body, um, this body is not my heavenly body. <laughs> it's flesh. It's perishable. It will die. Why will it die? <laughs> because of Adam's sin. Because of the curse. This body is, is done. Um, the flesh can also be this. Um, it can also be the sinful nature. Um, the NIV will use that word a lot. Sinful nature for the flesh. If you're reading the NIV um, version this morning, um, it will talk about sin in me as the flesh. The sinful nature um, in verse 25. Um, so what is the sinful nature? What is the flesh? What does the flesh do? It's a taker, right? It pursues pleasure. I'm going to do what I need to do to, to get what I want. I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. And so I'm going to find pleasure um, wherever I can. And in fact, when I no longer have pleasure over here, then I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to go over here. The flesh will just kind of take us wherever... Wherever we're happy, wherever there's pleasure. The flesh is, the flesh is self-protecting. The flesh, my flesh doesn't like to be embarrassed. My flesh doesn't like to be exposed. Is that true? Do you like to be, do you, do you like humility? Do you like to have to admit that you're, admit that you're wrong? Anybody like to admit that they're wrong? It's very hard to do. Think about parents. Think about your kids. And when you are actually the one that's in the wrong with your children, how hard is it to humble yourself? The flesh says, no, protect yourself. You know, I'm always right. Just because I said so, I'm mom. I'm dad. That's why. Um, and uh, it, we... <laughs> that's right. Thank you. That is Proverbs 32. <laughs> they need to write a book on that. We need that book. Uh, Proverbs 32. 
But the flesh is incapable of doing God's good. It stands contrary, the sinful nature stands contrary to the things of the spirit. Um, maybe a definition of flesh would be this. That which we try to do apart from God on our own. The flesh doesn't want to be subject to another master. It doesn't. I want what I want. That's the flesh. And when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the flesh doesn't go away. It is still there. Paul describes this in this, this, these good intentions that he has now because the Spirit's been awakened. He describes that in verse 15. He says, I don't understand what I do. But what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He has good intentions. He understands that the law is a good thing. And if I do not do what I want to do, in verse 16, I agree that the law is good. In my spirit, I know that the law is a good thing. I know that coveting is something that I should not do. I don't really want to do it. I know that it can lead to evil and sinful things. It can destroy marriage when we, when we covet our neighbor's wife. But I, and so I have these good intentions in me, but there's a battle against the flesh. And when I was on my own, <laughs> I didn't have this struggle. I could do whatever I wanted to do. I was my own boss. I could pursue pleasure. I could just indulge the flesh. Um, and the law awakens me. But the desire is still there, isn't it? It brings conflict within us, and that's what Paul is, he's in conflict. My actions don't always line up. I don't always say the things that the Spirit wants me to say. And he goes on in verse 17, and he says, as it is, it is no longer I, my, I myself who do it, but it is, is sin living in me. This isn't me anymore, right? This is not me anymore. This is not who I am. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. That is in my flesh. Nothing good lives in me in my flesh. Oh, there's good in me. But my good enoughness is the Lord Jesus Christ that's in me, right? So don't say, <laughs> as a believer in Jesus Christ, that there's, there's nothing good, you know, there's nothing good in me. Oh, there is. The Spirit of God lives in you. He's good. He is my good enoughness. And that's where the reckoning comes in. Where we reckon ourselves and we believe in our mind that I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. In verse... In Romans 6, it said this. In, the, in 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so we have to change how we think. He says, this isn't me anymore. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me 
that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I, I can't carry it out. I cannot do this Christian life on my own. It doesn't work. No amount of effort, no amount of striving to be all that God wants me to be in my own effort is going to amount to anything. It won't. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. <laughs> so now if I, I don't, this is, this is tricky. <laughs> this is a tongue twister. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And Paul separates himself from the flesh. He says, this isn't me anymore. This is sin that lives in me. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And Gus is going to talk about that next week in Romans chapter 8. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. There's war. And so Paul's conclusion is this in verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, even the good things that I know I ought to do, evil's right there with me saying, well, you don't really have time for that. You've got other things that you need to do. Man, the, the Spirit says, hey, you should serve your wife right now. I'm going to keep on marriage this morning maybe a little bit. Um, the, you ever have that, men? Where, where the, the Spirit of God's saying to you, saying, should love your wife right now. This is the way that you could express love to her right now. And we kind of go, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm going to dismiss that. You know, evil's right there with us, convincing us that, nah, even the good that we're, we should do. I'm not talking about the bad things now. I'm talking about the good that we should do. Evil's right there with me. That's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's war. There are two laws now that are work, at work, and there's not room for the both of us. There's just not, you know, it's kind of like that old Western, right? How's, how's the phrase go? I'm making this stuff up as I go now. What? I don't know. What is it? What's the? There you go. This town's not big enough for the both of us. We're going to have to have a showdown, right? Yeah. Evil's right there. In my inner being, I love God. My spirit's been awakened, and I, I want the Lord Jesus. And my outer man is, says, no, you don't have time for that. As he says, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making it me a prisoner for the law of sin at work within my members. Yes and no. <laughs> we don't have to stay there. Think back to the beast analogy from last week. We talked about the law. We talked about being chained to, um, to this beast of sin. The law comes in and it shouts at us and it says, you need to kill sin that's in you. And that beast wakes up and, um, and it's, it's going to go down with, it's not going to go down without a fight. 
And so we call on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that breaks the chain of sin in our lives. And, uh, and we have the opportunity then to walk away from that beast of sin. We have the opportunity. No temptation has seized us except what is common to man. But God provides a way of escape for us. We have an opportunity to walk away. But sometimes we stand there chain broken, and we stand right next to this, this sin. We don't walk away. We, we, ens we enslave ourselves. We keep enslaved to it. And Christ has broken the chains, and we can walk away from it at any time. That's the reality of the Christian life. You, you don't live in despair and think, well, I can't help it. I can't do anything about this. Oh, Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Sin is no longer your master because you're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. And I think when I read this passage, um, it's easy to develop a defeated mentality. What's the use? Um, if Paul's saying he can't do it, then why should I think that I could do it? And once you get to that point of thought, you're almost there, right? You think, what's the use? I can't do this anymore, right? When you start thinking that way, you're almost there. It's time to step into, <laughs> it's time to step into the room of grace. You're right. You can't do it. You cannot come over, overcome sin by following the law with sinless perfection. You cannot do it. Don't think that you could ever be perfect on your own. And don't think that, that in this life, you will ever be perfect and sinless. And that's okay. It's okay for you not to be perfect and sinless. Did the pastor just say that? Did he just give me a license? No, I want to set you free because I think there is a way for us to... I think there is a way for us to break away from sin. But I don't think that it's found in this room of good intentions. I don't think it's found in this room where we, where we start striving to be all that God wants us to be. And by our own self-effort, we open the door and we walk in. And, um, and we see all these people who, who look perfect, right? They all, have, they all look like they're perfect because they're all managing their sin well. They've, they've got, their faces are mascaraed up and they've got on beautiful clothes and they're all... You know, when you ask them how they're doing, they all say, you know what? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. And you think, wow, I must, <laughs> I guess I need to be doing fine. I need to be doing great. I'm really not doing great. I'm really not doing fine on the inside. I'm struggling just like Paul is here. And I'm going, man, the things I don't want to do, I do. I just yelled at my wife this morning. Man, I've been struggling with pornography for years and years. But everybody else in this room seems to be doing just great. You know, some of them put on this mask that's, uh, that, you know, we put on this mask that, you know what, I just need to go find some five-point way of, of doing this better in my life, right? If I can just do these five things, then I'll have it figured out. I will have this beast of the flesh. I'll have that thing managed in my life. And so we go to the conference, 
We listen to the speakers. How to have a better marriage. Five steps. You come to the marriage conference this, uh, you know, at the end of the month. Now, I'm not, this isn't a sell against it. Don't hear that. We go to the marriage conference and we think, man, this, these five C's of communication, this is going to fix us. Uh, I have news for you. Probably not. Um, will it help? And I'll, we'll get to that other room in a second. Probably not going to fix you. This room is tiring, <laughs> right? So much effort. Man, I don't do the things I want to do. So we, we do good for a little while. And we think, man, I've got it now. And then we fall back. And then we start to beat ourselves. And we start to be full of blame. Oh, I'm going to blame somebody else. That couldn't be me. Or we, we heap the shame on ourselves and go, wretched man that I am. I can't do anything about this. And we start to feel guilt. And we're burdened by guilt. But I can't, like, everybody else in here is doing great. So I, I can't really tell anybody. Because if I told somebody, what would happen? What would happen? They go, what's wrong with you? You must not have enough faith. You must not have this thing figured out. You can't beat that? Come on. Sinner, I'm going to kick you. You're out of the room. Sorry. You're not good enough. Get, get out. That's what we think. No amount of self-effort will ever defeat the flesh. And so... There's another way, and I think that he says, what a wretched man that I am. How, how do we get rescued from the flesh? How do we get rescued from the law? The grace of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the law was never to make bad people good. Sin management does not work. Only the gospel can affect change in our life. Don't be surprised at the struggle that you're experiencing. That's a sign of life. That's a sign that something's going on inside of you. And you know what? Let that struggle move you to a more deeper desiring of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Let that struggle move you to grace. Here's a question for you to, to think about. Am I striving to keep the law on my own? Or am I trusting Jesus and others with my sin? How do we overcome the flesh? The answer is Jesus Christ and grace. And there's something about this, <laughs> there's something about humility that attracts grace, right? Do you think that humility attracts grace? <coughs> when we humble ourselves and we, we let the masks that we're wearing crack, crack a little bit and let people see who we really are, we maybe start to share a little bit of the struggles that we're experiencing. <laughs> grace. If we're living in that room, this room uh, may be condemnation, judgment. That's not where we want to be. That's not where I want to be. That's not where I want our church to be. 
That's not the kind of church that we want to be at Crossroads. It's this kind of church. We're this kind of church. We're a room of grace and humility. And we open that doorknob of humility and walk in and humble ourselves and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Grace is the response. You know what? <laughs> you're, not, you're not alone here. <laughs> you know what? I'm struggling too. I'm, I struggle as well. And grace actually, humility attracts grace. Humility is this. It's, it's trusting God and others with me. And when we really live in grace, it changes our whole life focus. In the room of good intentions, our focus is, is on me working on my sin. That's what we're doing in that room. We're, we're working on our sin. And you know what the focus of, of life is when, we, when it's me working on my sin? Sin. Thank you. I'm always focused on sin. I'm always focused on the flesh. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? Look full in his wonderful face. In the room of grace, my focus is different. I'm going to trust who God says that I am. I'm going to reckon myself dead to sin because God says that I'm a saint. I'm a saint who sins once in a while. I'm not a sinner who's been saved. I'm a saint who sins once in a while. And so I'm going to focus on trusting who God says that I am. Who does God say that we are? We're a beloved child of God. He calls us saints everywhere in the gospel. You thought that was only for the Catholic Church, didn't you? No. There's a bunch of saints sitting in this room. We start focusing on that and we start focusing on the grace of the Lord Jesus. It changes our focus. Grace says that you have everything that you need for life and godliness. Why? Because, because I'm trusting who God says that I am. That's what God says about me. And so I'm trusting him. Grace says this. Grace, in the room of grace, we would, we would focus on things like, you know what? I'm going to let God handle my sin issues. I'm going to take my sin to God, and I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to say, all right, God, here we are. I'm standing before you in humility, and I'm struggling. I've got anger issues. Man, I just got angry this morning. Just driving to the bus farm. Come on. It's so little. And God and I, we have this conversation later on Friday. Standing there, he's holding my hand, looking at my sin, looking at my rage and anger. And he says, that's okay. That's okay. There are going to be days like that. You're going to struggle once in a while. And God meets me with grace. And you know what? When he meets me like that, I want to live for him. This is a no longer a duty that I have to do. This is a relationship. That's where I want to be. And you know what happens in grace? <laughs> when we start doing that, 
And you say, you know what? I'm not going to try to hide from him. I'm going to trust him with it. He's the only one that can resolve your sin issue, by the way, just so you know. Um, and he's already done it. Um, the mask starts to melt, doesn't it? Crack. And pretty soon, <laughs> I'm trusting God with this thing. And you know what? If I can trust God with this thing, if I can live in confidence of how God sees me, just maybe I can start to trust others with who I am. I can start to trust others with some of my sin issues. Oh, and once we get there, you know what? Now you're in the room of grace. And you start to open up to someone and say, you know what? I'm struggling too. I'm struggling as well. It is. Grace changes how we treat others when we sin. It changes how we treat others when they sin. In the room of grace, brokenness is okay. In fact, it's the key to finding victory over the flesh. Grace changes how we treat others when we sin. When we, when we live in the room of grace, think about, think about your marriage now in a room, as a room of grace, okay? When you offer grace and when you begin to admit your own faults and failures in your marriage relationship, you begin to relate to your, your spouse differently. It's different. That's what marriages need. We need grace in our marriage marriages. We need to see the brokenness in ourselves and admit that. Admit that we're struggling. A lot of times what happens is you're doing this. You do this. You, you, you statements. What about I, me? And you know what humility attracts? Grace. It changes things. It changes the relationship. In a church, grace reorientates all of our relationships. We no longer see one another with our sin between us. We no longer see others through our own grid of shame, blame, anger. You know what? In, in a room of grace, in a church of grace, we no longer have to compete against one another. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to think, man, I need to keep up with them. I need to do better than they do. The, things, the thing that characterizes grace is safety, protection, Love, rather than mistrust, deceit, guardedness. And I'm telling you that when we live out of who God says that I am, when we humble ourselves before God, when we humble ourselves before others, we will say what Paul says in verse 25, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have the victory through grace. It's always been there. And we can also say this then. So then, I myself in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. I'm a slave to grace. You know that sinful nature over there? <laughs> that, that thing, the flesh is a slave to the law of sin. I'm not going to exist there anymore. That's not how I want to be. Where are you at this morning? Are you still putting on a mask and, and striving to do things on your own? Are you, are you, are you here and you're going, God, I'm going to keep just struggling with the flesh. I'm gonna do, I can do this on my own. I don't, I don't need anybody else. And maybe I don't even need God to do it. Where are you at? Or are you ready to, to humble yourself? Talk to someone else. Talk to God about it. Let him meet you with grace. Let him show you his compassion. Let him show you his mercy. And I think when we do that, that's when we'll find ourselves living not under the law anymore, but we'll be living under grace. And you know what? People are doing that. People are getting real, and they're and they're finding they're finding freedom in that. It's happening. Be encouraged. If you're here this morning, you're hiding. <laughs> Stop hiding. Don't hide. There's no condemnation here. There's no condemnation. This is a place of grace and safety. This is a place where we stand with our sin before God and say, okay, what are we, what are we going to do, God? Let's pray. Father, we... Uh, but we were saved by grace, and uh, we continue to stand in grace, Lord. God, we confess, Lord, that we, we need you every day. We confess, God, in this, in this room, God, there, there's no one that's perfect. There's none of us, God, out here who, who have it all together, who have it all figured out. None of us. And Lord, we want, to, we want to live, God, trusting you, Lord. Trusting what Paul said, the whole point of this book is that righteousness comes by faith. Righteousness comes by trusting you with me. And so, Lord, we do that again this morning, God. We surrender ourselves, Lord. We confess, Lord, any self-effort, any of our own ability, God, our own posturing and and the masks that we wear, God, to, to pose. Lord, we confess that to you, God. Lord, would you break those things, crack them in half, and throw them away, God? We want to live, God, out of who you say that we are. We want to trust you, God, with our sin. We want to trust others, God, in this room with the things that we're struggling with, Lord. And so, God, help us to be a community of grace that... Um, supports and helps one another in our struggle. Father, we love you because you love us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.
Let's stand in, in all humility and just worship God. Just pour out our hearts to him.